So the key is is to just start and just take that idea down to some small manageable spot. So like if you're thinking like, hey, I want to change the world, like that's a big task at hand. But there's something that you could individually do. Like I could change the world by impacting two or three people that live on the same street as me by helping them take their groceries in the car. And if I take their groceries in from the car, then like maybe that might lead to a few other things. So you gotta really bring that idea down really small, and then just start moving towards it, and eventually. Uh, things are going to change for you. Driven by doing is how the world moves forward. A show where students, professionals, and entrepreneurs share their stories, how they learned from their failures, and got to where they are today, to inspire all of us to be the better version of ourselves. This show is sponsored by Career Quo. Connect with a mentor today. Hello and welcome to Driven by Doing podcast. Today we have Nate Pio from California. Nate, welcome to the show, Driven by Doing. Welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. Awesome. So when I saw your profile on LinkedIn, you have got a lot of great things going on, uh, especially 2020. I think it's a great year for you, and definitely <laughs> wanted to deep dive into your story and uh, what how things have changed for you uh, this year, especially. And you. Uh, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, 2020 has definitely been. Uh, very interesting to say the least. <laughs> so Nate, you are a startup advisor and currently working as a VP uh, in the Lewis uh, group of companies. And uh, you're a host of All In Podcast. Now, going back to your college days, tell us like, how did you get your first opportunity right out of college? I know that you went to college to get your construction management degree. And is it something that you already figured out at that time that, hey, I wanted to get into construction management or what was it like uh, back then? So my, my journey probably started back a few years prior in high school. I used to take these drafting and architectural classes and, and I really, really enjoyed them. And so when I thought I was going to um, go to college, I was going to do architecture. And I got accepted into the University of Nebraska for architecture and very quickly realized that um, part of architecture is being very artistic and I wasn't artistic enough uh, to really see like, oh, this is, this is not going to work out. And it's a very competitive program where every two years, after the first two years, you have to reapply every year. And they start off like 150 in the program and they graduate in a six-year program, about 25. So there's a lot of filtering out. And I just kind of thought about it. I was like, you know what? I don't think that this program is what I thought it was going to be for me. And it's very competitive. So I just kind of started looking at like, hey, what, what else is there? And the construction management program kind of followed a similar path as the architectural program. And I had eyed it before I graduated or before I enrolled in the architectural program. I go, this is probably going to be more for me. And so I started taking those classes instead and loved it. Um, and, you know, was really happy I made that switch. And so when you talk about finding my first uh, career, I was, um, you know, haplessly walking through the halls, probably my junior, the winter of my junior year. And I came across this flyer that says, want to do an internship in sunny California. And I said, hmm, that's very interesting. So Nebraska's really cold. The weather's terrible in the winter. And I, and I knew when I graduated college, I wanted to start looking to work in a place that didn't have winters uh, like Nebraska. So it was either going to be like California or it was going to be Arizona. So I thought, hey, 
you know, I never really thought about doing an internship before. Maybe I'll at least go to this um, informational meeting. And so I went to the informational meeting and they did a presentation. They talked about all these jobs that they had going on on the coast of California. And at the time they were doing a bunch of projects in Hawaii. And there's all these beautiful scenic views of the ocean and projects. And I was like, this, this is the dream come true. So um, I applied to do an internship there and it took a little bit of back and forth, uh, but they finally said, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll bring you on as an intern. Uh, you'll come out um, for about eight months and work uh, your junior spring semester and then the summer uh, for the company. And I was like, awesome. So where did they send me? They sent me to Bakersfield, California. And if you're not familiar with Bakersfield, California, is, it's basically smack dab in the center of California. It is um, not near the coast. It's not near the ocean. It's uh, not near the mountains. It's just hot um, in the summers and kind of cold in the winters, but not like Nebraska. But um, that's where they sent me. And I was like, oh, interesting. So, so I went out there and did it, my first internship with them out there. It turns out it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Bakersfield uh, was very similar in size to this, the town I lived in, Nebraska, Lincoln. So I kind of transitioned easier from moving from the Midwest to California and not getting like stuck in like big city life of LA and not just kind of being overwhelmed. So that was my first step. And then after the internship, they're like, hey, would you graduate? Or if you want to come out in uh, some of your other breaks between now and the time you graduate, we'd love to have you back out. So I ended up doing a few more more internships out there. Of course, I got to go to San Diego in better locations than previously. Um, so that worked out all the better for me. Uh, and then when I graduated, they hired me on full time. And so then I moved out full time uh, in 2000, roughly the end of 1999, 2000, I moved to California and uh, been here ever since. And that's how I, I got uh, my first job out of college. That's awesome. Uh, thanks for sharing that uh, journey. It was very interesting that like, you know, how you got into that construction management, like, you know, thinking to go into architecture first and like, you know, realizing that like, you know, that might be not something that you might be interested in and then pivoting again, you, you yeah. have pivoted and then like, you no know, found out like what might be interesting for you. I think it's very interesting how early that you were able to like, you know, find that out because we see a lot of students going to, college but like not not really knowing hey like no and not necessarily taking that uh, the next step uh, because sometimes they feel that hey i'm i got stuck here and i need to complete this four years in order to like really find out what i truly want mm -hmm. it, and it's weird because like i felt like i knew what i wanted going into college but looking back on where i've ended up in life like i definitely didn't go where i thought i was going to go and i think what you have to realize is even if you think you have a figure it out or even if you don't have a figure it out, like you're still so fresh in your, your life that like you don't know how the next, you know, basically from the time you graduate college to the time you're done working could be 40 plus years. Like you don't know where it's going to go and you don't have to have it all figured out. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times we go into college thinking, hey, I've got to do this thing. Um, and get it done and I'm going to go like through life and graduate high school, go to college, get married, have kids, have a career and then life doesn't happen that way. So I think it's okay to be flexible in figuring out what you want to do because I think you're really 
as you move through stages of life, what you find as a priority to your happiness, to your internal joy is going to change where you find fulfillment. So you want to be flexible enough to do what, you know, you're setting a foundation for success of in the future, right? So your education, your experience, people you know, you're building those out and that can never be taken away from you. And it's going to continually uh, grow as you move through your career. But if you just um, get bogged down in what you should be doing, you might not find happiness. And then you're, you're doing things just going through the motions and you, you hate your job or you don't, you're stuck at a bad company and you could have gone to a different company, but just realize that all these things lead up to a successful foundation and you can always um, realign, redefine yourself uh, as, as other priorities become more and more important. That's right, Anita. And then like now after working for a few years, you went on to do your MBA. Now at that point, like, no, how did you come up saying that, Hey, let me get this uh, business administration degree to kind of like, no, what do you already know that what you need, what you wanted to do after that? Not really. It was another one of those kind of just happenstance moments when I was originally moved out to California. I worked for a company that was he doing heavy civil construction and we worked a lot of hours and I had a long commute. So um, when I switched to the residential home building industry in 2004, 2005, I found myself with a lot more of my time back. I went from doing like 65, 70 hours a week to more of a 40 hour a week. And instead of doing, you know, a two hour drive in the morning, two hour drive at home, I was doing 30, 45 minutes. So all of a sudden I had like three to four hours extra every day that I was used to filling with work. And I was like, what could I do? And I was like, you know what? Um, in the residential construction industry, an MBA was, um, it was, it was, it was a good thing to have where, where I was working in heavy civil construction. It wasn't that critical to get an MBA, like an MBA or continued education doesn't always matter in certain industries. Like, right. If you want to be a doctor or you want to be a lawyer, you're like, yeah, those are, you know, financial industry banking, like those ed continued education things are going to be critical where you got your diplomas from are going to be critical. Um, but when you're in construction, like there's people that have MBAs that run Fortune 500 companies, and there's people that barely graduated high school that came up through the trade swinging hammers that are running Fortune 500 companies. So you have a mix of both, and it's it's important, but it's not critical. But it was something I felt like would be would be beneficial to me, and I had some extra time, and I thought, hey, why not uh, do this and see where it goes? So. Um, started applying around, got accepted, and I did my MBA. And um, you know, it was um, it was one of those things where I just kind of thought it would be benefit me, but I didn't know how it would benefit me. I didn't really necessarily know where it would take me, um, but I knew that you can't you can't ever go wrong when you're continuing to learn. That's great, Anita, because a lot of folks uh, who might be listening, they are thinking, hey, like now is uh, the, the MBA the next best thing in my career or life to go to that next level? Because uh, sometimes, especially in the current world that we are living in, in this virtual world, sometimes like, you know, people are trying to take those decisions to understand, hey, is the education is going to like really help me to get going? And uh, there's a lot of questions that people are trying to answer. 
it's really industry specific country co company specific in and you know some companies really value uh continued education and it's rewarded or you're technically you can't go past a certain level unless you have these continued educations but it's not also for everybody like it used to be like it used to be if you wanted to get your foot in the door the college degree kind of gave you a worky vocabulary of the business world for whatever you went to school with it gave you a, a foot in the door it gave you like hey you've 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 shown that you can put your your um thinking cap on you can work hard you can accomplish a goal and you can graduate and then you're ready for the career world but there's so many businesses right now or so many career paths right now that i would say you you could get a better education just doing it uh doing that job uh for four to five years and though it take you to go to college just kind of figuring it out on your own so if you said oh you want to pay 30 to 50 or even a hundred thousand dollars to go to a four-year diploma on marketing and learn marketing and stuff like this like if you just worked helping out on the side people building their own personal brands or their own web pages or on their seo or all their own copywriting content marketing for four to five years and built your own business doing that i think you're going to one you wouldn't have the student debt or the cost of of, of going two you would have you would have learned if not exceeded what you can learn in that college uh environment doing it on your own running a business you're going to learn so much more and then at the end of those five years i think you're actually going to be further ahead of somebody that just graduated college and they're going to know the theories and they're going to know worked on some projects but everybody that's been to college and gets their first job knows like you really start learning on the job and if you've been doing it firsthand for five years you're going to find that you've got a ton more experience and i think if you if somebody came and applied for the same job and said, hey, look, I got a four-year diploma, but no experience or five years experience uh, going brands and businesses, and I'm looking to get this, you know, beginning level job. I think you might say, hey, look, you know, I, I, I'd rather go with the person that's got the experience. I think uh, that's that's what's uh, like, you no know, real, the, the real world experience, it's, it's always matters. And uh, you see like a lot of students are getting this experience and trying to understand, hey, is the, is the education the real value for money that I'm putting in? Because we are also seeing a lot of student debt and a lot of uh, uh, struggles that uh, people, people are going through, uh, especially uh, during this pandemic. And right, yeah. coming out of college is also a very difficult time uh, during this time. Mm -hmm. and, and really the whole theory behind education, especially like college education, is when they these things were founded, right, the, the, the information wasn't readily available. Like, you know, a lot of universities or the theory behind universities was like 1300s, right, when they're just figuring out how to write books and find, figuring out how to do the printing press. And so the information wasn't readily available and so you would go to a college because the information was contained in the university right and that's where you had to go to get the information and now nowadays so much of that information is available for free and available at your fingertips through the internet and it's evolving so fast anyways so like i just like I haven't been to college for a long time, but I just imagine like, how can somebody print a textbook and you'd be learning from a textbook over a year when how fast technology changes the way you do business? Um, 
in the from the time that that book's written till it's printed till you're learning from it like i'm gonna bet a lot of that information is outdated so you know there there's also a benefit for the continuous university experience i mean you're doing your mba you're doing research and you don't have access um as an individual to maybe all the data you could do or the resources or the um the faculty members, the network, the mentorship, we talked a little bit this before we started recording, there is a benefit to some of the continued education of doing the research and you have funding and you have grants that you're not going to have on your own. Um, and you can get that information shared with the world uh, and make a difference. So there, there's definitely a benefit, but you got to kind of like weigh the pros and cons of how important it is because a lot of this stuff you could just go out in the same period of time become a master of it um, and build your own business or build a, a set of skills that really translate to working for, you know, a corporate company. That's a great insight, Anita. And now coming into uh, the mentoring, like, did you have any mentors in your life who like really helped you in your career and life? Um, I would say yes. Never anybody that was like, like I formally sought out a mentor. Like I didn't go like, hey, can you be my mentor? But you always have like um, various bosses uh, that you got along with really well or somebody that was not necessarily your boss, but was a, a figure of seniority and authority within the company that taught you things and showed you things. Uh, there were people that advocated for you. And I, and I, I think there's a, there's, you know, having a mentor in your life is really important, but I want to also say having an advocate is even more important. And the difference between a mentor and an advocate is this. A mentor is going to share their knowledge. It's like the master-apprentice relationship. It's like teaching you a craft, teaching you skills that they learned. The advocate for you, while they might share some of those characteristics, they're usually the person that um, promotes you to other people. Like, hey, you know, that you know nate's doing a great job of these projects like you should uh, tr try to recruit him to be on your projects that you have coming up for this or you know they might tell you um hey this this thing's opening up you should go apply for it so they're encouraging you to go push your limits but they're also talking to the people that make those decisions up about you they're advocating for your career development and growth and so sometimes they're they're like a mentor but they don't really necessarily completely have the mentor mentee relationship where you're constantly meeting with them um, so so as i was developed my career and i look back on it i can identify people who stood out as mentors people who stood out as advocates and people who I really learned from. And some of those people, they probably don't even realize the influence that they had on me because I never went back and said, hey, look, some of those lessons you taught me were very, very important and I hold those true to be today. And um, they just never know. But um, so that's why I always advocate for people like, hey, you never know who's watching, who, what, what influence you're having on other people. So you wanna be very cognizant of what you're doing, but also be willing to share your gifts because you might just one day influence somebody in the right direction um, that takes them from being just mediocre to really making a difference in the world. That's a, such a great uh, insight, uh, the difference between a mentor and uh, an advocate. And it because like a lot of times when I look back in my own life, uh, it's just because of uh, those advocates who like you know, really pushed me uh, to get to where I am today. And I'm so blessed to have a lot of people uh, in my life who really helped me in my career and life. 
and looking at your career you had similar experiences who helped you but uh, like you know that might not be something that might be visible at that time but later on life when we look back that's when we tend to realize that hey those are the lessons that really helped me to get going and get get whatever i want so now coming into your current role and current life like you know in 2020 i was just uh, you're also a, a podcast host the all in podcast host and you started uh, recently in 2020 and you you were mentioning like how self doubt has held you back sometimes in life mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about like you know what was going through your mind at that time and like you know what were those decisions that you have taken uh, to like you know really come out of it and really help yourself so it all kind of about 3 years ago was the beginning seeds of this but it really came to fruition about this time last year and when you're when you're starting your career right a lot of it has to do with you get put in a position and your performance is based on what you can individually produce right so like you take something and you're given information and you put information into a computer and if you can do so many bits of information to the computer a day you're doing good or you didn't do good right it's very easy to judge what you do because you're individually producing but as you rise in your career you you move from being an individual producer to a team producer or a manager of a team or a leader of the team and it's harder to judge your productivity when it's based on you know some of the stuff isn't stuff you do and it's not immediately measurable every single day so you you don't always know if you're moving the needle or not and um what i started finding out is as as you are growing in your career it becomes less important what you can individually do and more important of what team you can build to get things done and building a team requires getting out there and meeting more people and networking and and connecting with others and so i started noticing that the bigger my network got the more tools i had to solve problems and the more tools i had to solve problems the more valuable i became so about 3 years ago i started kind of noticing that and i said hey look you know i'm not really uh networking efficiently i'm kind of just sticking to what i know the people i know i haven't really expanded myself very much so i started expanding it nationally and and that started growing my career too but i also started like with this idea of of I've had an entrepreneurship itch for a lot of years and so I had tried various businesses with limited degrees of success with all of them eventually failing right and so about 3 years ago I had this epiphany and I said hey you know what if I want to be an entrepreneur but I don't really have an idea I don't really have the time I don't want to go work for free to hope it maybe takes off again like what other ways could I do to have um the feeling of being uh, involved in a in a a business an entrepreneurship business and I well you know I could I could do angel investing and then I thought about that like well how do you know how to do that like how do you know a good company from a bad company like how do you know a good you know CEO or a founder from a bad one like you don't you really don't you just on paper you're not going to so how could I get that education um without costing me a ton of money and bad investments I said well I could donate time and start going and hanging out with 
the startup world and it was an, it was a network I didn't know anybody at but I did know that there's places where startup people hang out at they're in incubators they're at uh, universities they are in pitch contests and so I just started kind of like researching hey where could where could I go to hang out with these people and so I started expanding my network into the startup tech world and that kind of started having some overlap into my my nine to five my construction related network and, and like everything's kind of growing right and everything's kind of rising up but i was still not super intentional i would kind of like go and i i would be active for like two to three months and then i'd kind of take a break and then i'd go be active for two. and i was just kicking this idea around last year of like every time your network grows your value increases so what would it look like in five years, if you went really big, went all in with your networking and try to meet and connect with as many people as possible, knowing that over time you're going to get exposed to new ideas, opportunities, and people that you hadn't been exposed to before. And those opportunities you're looking for, like, hey, if you wanted to invest in the next Facebook, right, they're not going to show up at your door. They're not going to say, hey, look, we, we think you're awesome. Would you invest some money in us and we'll make you a bunch back? No, like you have to go be connected with the people that are going to get those deals offered to them. And you have to kind of be in this space. So I said, hey, I'm going to start being in these spaces. I'm going to start networking and things are going to happen. And as I was thinking about this, doing it, I was like, okay, so if I'm going to start networking with people, I can't just be doing all hunting myself. I can't be always out there. I have to attract people back into me. It's got to be a bit back and forth. And I thought I could document it. I could put myself out on social media more. I could create a podcast to cast a bigger net. <clears throat> and then when I started thinking about doing those things, that's when that self-doubt hit me. It's like, oh my gosh, like, it's going to be tough to put myself, what if I put myself out there? What if I have an opinion that people disagree with? What if I have an opinion that people think is stupid? What if I just look stupid? What if people go, what are you doing all this for? Like, just st stay in your lane, dude. And, and I was having these like doubts. And then I, I had some conversations with some other people that were doing similar stuff. And they said, the only person that's telling you those stories, right, is yourself. Nobody else cares. Nobody else is paying attention. And like, just do it. Like, and then you think about it, you look at all the people that have done big things and they all started from day one somewhere. They all had to over, they, it wasn't any easier for them to overcome some of the self-doubts. They just chose to do it instead of playing small. So I said, okay, network big, get out of my own way. I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, and so that just kind of led to the last bit was looking back on my career and going, hey, remember all those goals you used to set for like one year, two years, three years, five years out? And you always got frustrated that things weren't happening as quick as you would in that first year. But, but when you look back at what you accomplished over, over the long term, like I go, if I would have told myself when I was 25 where I would have been at 45, I would have thought, hey, man, you made it. Like you exceeded your income expectations. You exceeded your title expectations. You're like you're the, the company, the group, all those things, like you blew those out the door, right? But you still felt like you're not done. You still want to go chase more. But my 25-year-old self would have been like, dude, you made it. Like hang it up like we're done and um i started realizing that a lot of it had to do with hey one you're going to exceed what you think is possible in five years if you put your mind to it so if i just do all this stuff for five years what if i raise those expectations what would that really really look like and also i started realizing my fulfillment didn't necessarily come from what i could do personally but what 
I could connect people within my network to do. So if I was connecting this person over here to this person over here, and they were able to benefit from knowing each other, that's where I really found the fulfillment. So all this just kind of like culminated into one thing. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And so 2020 started off with uh, taking the first footsteps of it, which was like putting myself out there more, being more deliberate about networking and launching a podcast. I launched a podcast right before um, the COVID hit. And because the COVID hit, all of a sudden I found myself with extra time because I wasn't commuting to work. And I started, you know, and that a lot of other people weren't, they had more time in their hands. So I ended up starting to do more podcasting, more networking, and just kind of took off like a lot faster than I expected to. And, um, you know, my thing with, with COVID when it first hit was I was just thinking like, hey, I went through the 2008 housing bubble, right? And there's people that hunkered down and, uh, you know, let life happen to them. And then there's people that like made something of it and let life happen for them. And I said, hey, you know what? I was one of those people that didn't really make things happen. I was scared of opportunity in the housing bubble and I should have done more. And I watched other people do more. I said, this this time chasing everything with a sense of urgency because when this i just figured hey when this is over there's going to be people that were running and we're pushing the limits during this period of time and they're going to be so far ahead of the people that just kind of were like you know you know you know this happened like a bunch of your friends are probably like oh we don't know how long is it going to last i'm just going to party every night and watch netflix all day long and they did that for like the first month month and a half and then things didn't go back and then they're like well now what and then the people that were hustling were like I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have time to get anything done because I've got so many other things I'm working on and chasing and we're really pushing through. So I thought that, okay, man, there's going to be a ton of opportunity to really push myself and have a lot of self-growth and development in this period of time. And I'm just not going to uh, relax during this period. So 2020 for me is going to probably be the year I look back on and say, hey, that's, that's when things all changed for me. Yes, it was tough. It was one of the the, the roughest years we probably had, had seen in our lifetimes, but it was also the year that I had the most growth and it's really set uh, the pace for what came after. Wow, uh, thanks for sharing uh, those, those the, the great story that you had, especially in 2020, Nate. Uh, it was so inspiring, like how you took every opportunity and especially when you just got started in your podcast, it's very interesting that we have a pandemic and then you got lots of time to like you know really work on it and that's exactly what happened in my life as well for so for people who are listening right now they might say hey like yes we are in pandemic we have got a lot of time and i don't really know how to get started what would you tell them how to really find out uh, what to do well one is you're probably overthinking what you want to do you're thinking of it too big so you, you have to get started. And I'm going to give an example of what, what somebody told me of how you develop an app. And so like, let's say you want to go develop an app and you think, hey, I got this idea for this really cool app. And that it's like the equivalent of building a car. And so you think if I'm going to build a car, I'm going to build the tires, I'm going to build the frame, I'm going to build the the, the, the outside, the inside, I'm going to pick the colors and it's going to have all these features and uh, and then it's ready to go, right? Well, that's not how you build an app. The way you build an app is you build a skateboard first, right? You build this really simple stripped down version and you see if there's some interest in it. And if there's interest in the skateboard, 
then you build a bicycle. And if there's interest in the bicycle, then you turn it into a motorcycle and then you turn it into a car. So you take something that's really stripped down and you build it up to where it needs to be. So you're, if you're thinking you want to start something, you've got to bring that idea down to a smaller manageable thing. And then you just need to start taking steps towards it because no matter what you do, your idea of where you're going to take it is not going to end up exactly where you thought it was going to go the day you started. So if you're trying to figure it all out, you're not going to, you're not, before you start, you're not going to start and it's going to change anyway. So the key is, is to just start and just take that idea down to some small manageable spot. So like, if you're thinking like, Hey, I want to change the world. Like that's a big task at hand, but there's something that you could individually do. Like I could change the world by impacting two or three people that live on the same street as me by helping them take their groceries in the car. And if I take their groceries in from the car, then like maybe that might lead to a few other things. So you got to really bring the idea down really small and then just start moving towards it. And eventually, uh, things are going to change for you. You get introduced to people that you didn't know before, and they kind of pivot your, your idea a little bit this way, a little bit that way. You might partner up with somebody. You might have uh, business partners. You might have referral partners, or you might get exposed to an idea, or you might just be like really good at this idea, and then you come across somebody you wouldn't have met otherwise, and they're like, hey, I got a better idea. And you're like, yes, that is a better idea. Let's go work on this together. So for me, it's all about that journey. And if you just sit at home waiting for the journey to start, it's not going to. So you got to take, you know, first step, walk out the door, you know, and just start going and uh, things will evolve and change. And, and, and uh, if you don't start, you'll never get anywhere. That's absolutely right, Nate. I couldn't agree more because like getting your idea off the ground and just dividing it into the smallest piece. I think I, I listened to a TED talk. That's exactly how things work because we cannot figure everything out on the day one. And it's, it's very interesting. We have seen these stories again and again and again, but still people have this difficulty of understanding, Hey, it's that simple. Just get started and like, you know, see how it goes. And over a period of time, it's very, it's going to be very interesting how things work in favor of you to go to the next step. Yeah, so did something true. like that happen for you in your case as well? Um, <clears throat> I think just f from going down the path of other businesses that didn't work out, I knew that things don't go as planned. A lot of it has to do with just getting started. I've been one of those people that have always, um, you know, if, if you told me like, hey, let's, let's start this business um, tonight. We kind of were talking about it over beers. We had a few too many and thought it like it was a good idea. The next day, I'd be the person that uh, knocked on your door and said, hey, I spent all night writing a business plan. Let's get going. And, and you might be like, oh, we were just drunk, man. Like, uh, those were just crazy ideas. I didn't really think we were going to do it. That's how I'd been. So for me, just jumping off and leaping hasn't... Um, been a problem for me which maybe is for other people but i think i have a tendency to uh get uh frustrated when things don't move quick enough i don't um i want to skip steps um i don't celebrate the small victories and the small wins and so that that's been some of the problems i've had myself so we all have our own challenges with getting started and chasing our dreams um but you know you just have to kind of love the process and know that you're going to learn along the way. And if you start loving the process, it doesn't really matter where your strengths and weaknesses fall. You're going to improve on all of it together. You're going to do things, uh, you know, better than you thought you would. And other things are going to be a harder struggle and you'll just overcome them. And if you're persevering through and being persistent, 
you'll make progress and the things that were hard become easier and you have new challenges and obstacles to overcome in the future. Wow, consistency and perseverance, uh, those, those always go together. And, and you have also leveraged LinkedIn to like, you know, really make those connections and network with people. And I have seen recently an article that you wrote on like, what are the five things to do on LinkedIn to really uh, engage and network? So tell us a little bit about that and like, you know, how can people leverage LinkedIn to really get benefited? Well, LinkedIn is a social media platform that's been around for a lot of years. I probably first got onto it in 2008. Somebody said, hey, get on LinkedIn. It's, it's Facebook for business. And at the time, you just kind of like did a digital resume and you maybe talked to some headhunters if you're looking for a job or you shared a Wall Street Journal article about something related to industry, but people didn't do much about it other than you just kind of could keep tabs of where people that you knew were working and you could find them again in the future if you guys had uh, you know, lost contact. But probably over the last few years, LinkedIn started becoming a lot more active people started doing a lot more posting on it it became more of a networking event i like to think of it it's not a social media uh platform so much it is is it's an online digital networking event that is happening 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year right so if you're going to networking things to grow your leads, to grow your business, to grow your connections, whatever it is, and you're used to doing that in person, it works just the same as in person by showing up digitally. If you uh, just hang out and you don't say anything to anybody and you don't connect with anybody, like your network doesn't grow. And if you go in and you just shout from the rooftops, like, hey, I'm Nate and I sell things that are awesome, you should buy it. Like, People ignore it and people don't want to hear it and you, you don't grow your connections that way. So it's a lot like a networking event. You go, you, you, you say hi to people, you ask what they're doing, you show up consistently, you become familiar. Your familiarity becomes curiosity. People ask what you're up to, what you're doing, and then they start um, you know, knowing who you are. People do business, they always say this, with no like and trust, right? And so you got to start with getting to know people. And, you know, I, I say like LinkedIn is like, hey, you know, if you went to a networking event, you'd say hi to some people, you would engage in a little small talk conversation, right? That's just like going on LinkedIn and liking other people's posts um, or commenting on the posts. You're having a little bit of small talk, you know, you're, you're mingling. That's what it is. And as you consistently show up, so if you show up every single time there's an event, uh, people start knowing you as a regular. Even if you're not connecting with them and having conversations, they recognize you and they see like, hey, I see you supporting all this stuff. Like, I'm curious what you're up to. And then you, you have a little bit of a depth conversation and you treat LinkedIn that, that same way. And if you're um, posting regularly, you're also showcasing the stuff that uh, you're an expert in. So it's not so much about posting, hey, look how great I, I am, how awesome my business is, but you're sharing your expertise. You're sharing your ability to solve problems. And when you can solve problems, uh, the people that have problems that need to be solved are going to be out there looking for you. And they go, hey, you know, you look like an expert in what you're doing, you know. So if I like talk about your business uh, that you're working on is, is connecting mentors to mentees, you know. So if I was out there going, hey, I work for a university and I'm really having a hard time getting um, our mentors and mentees to work together effectively, efficiently, and, and uh, continuously, and I see you posting daily, like going, hey, this is what we do. This is how, you know, 
you're, you're providing value on, on improving mentor mentee relationships. Like I might start following you and then I start following you. I see what you're doing. Like, Oh, you have this, this, this solution. Let me have a conversation with you. And instead of you calling me up and going, Hey, I got this solution for you. Do you want to see it? And I'm like, nah, I don't really want to see it. I came to you with like, Hey, I've seen you doing all this stuff. I would like you to tell me about it and see if it's a solution. So it's a way to take cold leads cold conversations, cold relationships, warm them up. You're developing some authority, some trust, and a relationship with people, even if it's digitally. It's kind of like, you know, many, many celebrities. And then when you have a real conversation, it, it transitions quicker into a warm relationship. And if you're good at building relationships and serving others, you can turn that relationship into, you know, a really strong long-term friendship. Awesome, Neta. How you are leveraging LinkedIn and thanks for sharing all those great tips. And for somebody who is listening to this and said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable doing this and I'm an introvert to even connect digitally. And even like, you know, for a lot of students, it's kind of sometimes they might feel overwhelming. There's so much thing that I can do here. But what would you tell them like how to get started? Because even content sharing, sometimes people might think, hey, like who would actually like is going to be interested in my content and what I have to say here. Mm -hmm. That's a, I think that's a thing for everybody is they go, hey, what am I going to post about? And we don't know what's of value. And so we say, okay, well, you know, obviously the, the easy advice is post, just start doing it. You get better by doing it, right? You're, if, you're, if you start doing it, and here's the other thing too, right? You're like, what should I say? What if I write stupid stuff, right? Well, if you write stupid stuff, nobody's going to see it, so it doesn't matter. And if you write, you think it's stupid, but everybody likes it, then they see it. Isn't that what you wanted anyways? So it, it kind of like is a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you do a bad job at it, nobody's going to see it, and so nobody's going to care. And you're going to get better over time. But let's just put that past and say, okay, I get that. I know that, but I'm not ready to do that. Part of LinkedIn, what I talk about is this familiarity, right? So you want to be seen regularly. And if I go and like your post, let's say you posted on something and I liked it, in, my, in your notifications, my profile is going to show up in your notifications. It says, Nate liked your post, right? So if I did that every day, you're going to go, hey, this Nate guy is liking my post. Who is he? It's going to breed a little bit of familiarity. So if I was trying to get in front of you and I keep liking your post, like my face keeps showing up, my profile shows up. And if I optimize my profile about what I do, you can kind of know what I do without even me telling you what I do. And if there's an opportunity for you, you say, hey, that's something I'm interested in doing. You could reach out and say it. But then you can also support by commenting on the post. And that's an easy way to start getting better at writing. So if you read somebody's post, you give your little input on it, you get a little bit better at writing and sharing your post, right? And again, I'm showing up in your notifications. But the cool thing about that is let's say Joe likes your post too. And then I like your post. Guess what? Sometimes my notification that I liked your post shows up in Joe's post. It says Nate liked your post too. And so all of a sudden I'm being seen in other people's posts and those people are being seen in my posts. When you like and comment, you're also connecting with other people on the platform. And then when you go into your comments and somebody comments on your comments and then I comment on those comments, again, we're showing. So that's the easiest way to just kind of get a little bit better at it if you're not really ready to post your own content is just support other people's contents by liking their comments or liking their content commenting on their comments and liking and commenting on the comments. And that's 
this is a super easy way to do it. And then, you know, have a, have a conversation with people. When you connect with somebody, just say, hey, glad to connect with you. What's going on in your life? And a conversation will emerge. And you just do this enough times. It becomes easier and easier. And you start figuring out how you, how you engage people the best. And so when you start writing your own content, a lot of the times it's like, I can't write like that person does. And, and so it's hard for you to do that. But not everybody is you. Like you'll find your own voice, your own way of sharing, your own ideas, and you just start doing it. And eventually you're you're kind of go from somebody that's like scared to do it and you never did it to, you know, you're coming up with five or six pod, you know, post ideas every day and you're just like loving it. Especially, you know, everybody on LinkedIn is there to meet other people, right? So it's not like you're going to the grocery store and I'm trying to introduce uh, myself to you and tell you about what I'm up to like if you don't want to hear about it because it's not the right platform it is a platform where people are there to meet other people and so most of the time people are already going to be there to you know engage and support a conversation with you as long as you're not being spammy absolutely so all those listeners who are listening and uh, seeing, uh, seeing our show definitely leverage LinkedIn uh, to the best so that like people can connect with you because that's where they are there for and thank you so much, Nate, uh, for sharing all those great insights. And uh, I loved a lot to hear your story and how, what are all the great things that you're doing. And uh, 2020 and beyond is going to be a great year uh, coming down the line for you. And where can people connect with you and find you? Easiest place is to go to natepeo.com. That's N-A-T-E-P-E-O.com. From there, you can find uh, my podcast, you can find my social media connections. I have a free download right now of five tips that you can start doing right now to stand out on LinkedIn. So if you're looking to just get started, you can download that uh, document, give you a little bit of advice to get going and start building uh, some, some confidence in how you're posting. And then I also have an academy um, that's available to kind of help B2B salespeople build better relationships with their ideal clients. And all that is right there from natepeo.com. Thank you so much again, Anit, for coming onto the show and sharing great advice and also sharing great resources that people can go to your website and get advantage from. So thank you so much once again for coming onto the show. Thank you so much for having me.